0: Welcome to BookMe, sponsored by Nimbus Publishing and Arts Nova Scotia. I'm Costas Halavrezos. Today, author Gerald Halliwell. When your country goes to war with another nation, everything changes, not just for those at the battlefront but for everyone at home. War redefines everything from the conduct of business to your relationships with neighbours, how you vote, even how you eat. Gerald Halliwell has found in a single Nova Scotia county a microcosm of what Canadians on the home front experienced once we entered the Great War of 1914-1918. But for reasons of its history and location on the Atlantic coast, the citizens of that county were caught up in unique community conflicts and threats. Gerald Halliwell is the author of As British as the King, Lunenburg County during the First World War. Gerald, welcome to Book Me. My pleasure. Now, I do have to ask you, uh, how did a farm boy from Crooked Creek, Ontario, end up living in Lunenburg and,
1: and writing about its history? Well, I suppose it's rather a long story. I came down to uh, Dalhousie, In 1981 to a conference and discovered that I liked Nova Scotia and so I came back and I drove around the province and kept going back to Lunenburg because it attracted me right away. The sea for one thing that was very important to me I never saw the sea till I was 26 years old and I was captivated by it and uh, I liked the people immediately Uh, that's hard to define but they're really nice people here And uh, I like the history of the place. Nova Scotia has a long history compared to the rest of the country. And uh, so I think it was that that attracted me very much.
0: Well, Lunenburg County is known for having many families of German descent.
1: How did that fact manifest itself when Canada entered the First World War? Well, because the people were German, some people thought that they might not be as loyal as they should be. Of course, that was nonsense. They were generally pretty loyal like everybody else. But uh, I think there was a difference being of German ancestry and the enemy being Germany.
0: So their loyalty was questioned, even though they had been friends and neighbors
1: for perhaps decades before that? I don't think it was so much the local people who suspected them of being disloyal. It, it was just a general feeling, and it was fomented by papers like the H- Halifax Herald, who tended to see German spies behind every tree. And uh, that eventually led to uh, a feeling that the people might not be that, that loyal.
0: Now, there were some ironies, I think, considering that George V, the King of England was descended from a a German house and and changed the name of the house to the House of Windsor from what Saxe-Coburg-Gotha
1: yeah. There, there, was a, there was a tendency during the war to try to get rid of German names. For instance, the Halifax Herald tried to uh, get uh, rid of some of the German names of the street names in Halifax, like Gottingen and Coburg and so on. And, and most famously, of course, was in Ontario, where the town of Berlin, or the city of Berlin, I should say, uh, changed its name to Kitchener during the war. New Germany of course was a bit suspicious <laughs> but uh it did have the new in front of it. well the paper decided in the end that maybe the new was, was enough to uh, make it okay
0: now, in the early days of the war you uh, really capture very well the the sheer frenzy around recruiting efforts i mean it was inescapable it seemed
1: uh yes in the, in the first place, a lot of people wanted to volunteer, and, and one of the things was that some of the men thought that they had to join out right away or they were going to miss out on the war, expecting it to be over by Christmas. And uh, that didn't last, of course. Once, once the casualties started to come in, the, the volunteers tended to dry up, which is why uh, they brought in conscription in the end. But yes, in the beginning of the war, people were very enthusiastic. There were things going on in churches, uh, in the the schools, there were rallies. Yes, they they really went after the school children, of course, uh, teaching them all sorts of propaganda, uh, singing songs, supporting the empire, and and, uh, so on. And and even, I guess, some shaming, even shaming mothers
0: to make sure that they got their, their boys to enlist.
1: Yes, there was there was enormous pressure on 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 the men to sign up. One of the things they they used was, of course, if you uh, didn't sign up, what were you going to tell your children uh, that you didn't you didn't play your part in the war and were you were you a mama's boy and mother <laughs> don't, mother wouldn't let you go? Uh, and well, it was also relentless for for the women. Actually, they they were supposed to be out there raising money all the time, and if you didn't do your part. You you were uh, shamed. Yeah, the the fundraising seemed
0: to go in in parallel with the uh, the recruiting. I guess the first big one was uh, Belgian relief.
1: Yes, Belgian relief was a big one in the at the beginning of the war. Of course, one of, one of the interesting things for that, as far as Halifax is concerned, is is that the Norwegian ship that blew up in the Halifax explosion during the war had Belgian relief written along the side of it uh but yeah that that was one of the first the first uh, organizations that that people got it behind women were
0: also uh doing uh, what were considered womanly things at the time knitting and putting together care packages
1: oh yes knitting was very important and rolling band-aids was another another job that that women did all the time
0: But but there were other societal changes for women in the wind as well in that period. It was quite interesting how they intersected. I mean, the movements for temperance and the right to vote. How did the war
1: affect those? Well, temperance, of course, has a long history. It finally came to fruition during the war and and it was very much tied up with, with getting the vote for women uh, because they felt that if, if they had the vote, they could bring in temperance. But turned out they didn't need to. They brought it in anyway. Uh, the Liberal government under Premier Murray was very dead set against against it, but in the end he was kind of forced to because the women had made such a contribution to the war effort. During the war, there there were two elections in Nova Scotia in 1916. There was a provincial election, which really had uh, was of no importance. But a year later, of course, was the the federal election of 1917, which was one of the most despicable elections in Canadian history. Because at this point, the the uh, Conservatives had become the Union government under Sir Robert Borden, and uh, the Union included several liberals. The interesting thing as far as, as uh, Lunenburg is concerned is, is that they voted against it. Unlike almost every rural community in, in, the, in the country, they tended to support the Union government. But Lunenburg stayed loyal to Sir Wilfrid Laurier and, and his Liberal Party. Some people thought that was because of the German background in Lunenburg, but I don't think so. I think they just they li- they liked the local candidate who who was William Duff, who went on, of course, to become well known as a senator.
0: Uh, Lunenburg County, though, time and time again during the First World War, keeps getting caught in these binds. I mean, we've discussed the fact that people could be suspect if they were of German heritage, but even if you farmed or fished. On one hand, you were needed uh, to get food for home and for the soldiers abroad, but if you didn't enlist, if you're working on the farm or fishing, you
1: were shirking. Well, it, it was it was very complicated because if you were a class one uh, under, under the Military Service Act, you, you were supposed to be conscripted. So if you looked like a healthy young man, they could approach you on the street and ask you why. And... Um, The farmers, of course, resisted conscription because they felt they needed the help on on the farm. And uh, the interesting thing is that nobody's ever really considered the fishermen because they went through the same thing. They, they thought they were going to be exempt because uh, nobody else could do the fishing. It wasn't an industry where women could just come in and take over or, or even young, young men, young boys. You know, it's an industry that required strong men. And uh, so it, it, it was kind of fruitless in a way to take them and put them in the trenches because they, we needed food. You know, food was becoming sh- um, in short supply. And, and, and also they were trying to get people to eat fish, and, and that would save on meat. And as well, just finally, of course, the, the fishing
0: fleet ultimately became a target of German U-boats.
1: Yes, yes. The, um, early in the war, the um, German raiders were after the uh, merchant ships, and that problem was largely solved when they brought in the convoy system. That worked really well. Unfortunately, what was left over from that were the fishing, the fishing schooners. And they, they were very hard to um, protect because they were out there on their own. So the submarines, the U-boats, went after the fishing, fishing vessels. They sank about, about 11 from, from the Lunenburg Fishing Fleet during the war. And there, there seemed to be a, a special protocol
0: they would, I guess, surface, notify them, uh, so the crews could get off in their
1: dories before they'd sink the, the boats? Yes. People are surprised to learn that the, uh, there were submarines in the First World War. Of course, it's well known in the Second World War. But in the First World War, the, the submarines, they, they could submerge. And they could submerge under the, the British blockade, for instance. But then they would sail up on the surface until they sighted a target. Then they would uh, submerge and then pop up beside the target. And in the case of the fishing schooners, they didn't kill any of the men. They boarded the, boarded the uh, schooners and took what they wanted and put the men in, in dories and let them row ashore, often with nothing, nothing like food and water or supplies. And some of them had a very long way to row, row back to shore. And sometimes they took the captain on board the uh, U-boat and serves them a bit of booze.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Gerald Hallowell, thank you very much for coming in and telling us about uh, this fascinating place in the middle of the, the First World War. Thank you. My pleasure. Gerald Hallowell is the author of As British as the King, Lunenburg County During the First World War. It's published by Nimbus. His previous book, The August Gales, The Tragic Loss of Fishing Schooners in the North Atlantic, 1926 and 27, won the Democracy 250 Atlantic Book Award for Historical Writing. If you'd like to comment on a podcast like today's with Gerald, our email address is info at bookmepodcast.ca. And if you'd like to hear more conversations with people who create books in Atlantic Canada, you'll find plenty on bookmepodcast.ca. Whenever a new interview is added, we post an alert on our Instagram account, Book Me Podcast, and share the word with everyone you know who's a reader. You can also rate or review our podcast on your favorite download site. And if you're in the Lunenburg County area, our podcasts are broadcast every day on the nonprofit radio station CHLU 93.7 FM. BookMe is sponsored by Nimbus Publishing and Arts Nova Scotia. Thanks to the Halifax Central Library for the use of its studio, our producer is Robin Grant, and our technician, Lynn Fox, is as British as the Queen. She's from Liverpool, not the one in Nova Scotia either, the one in the UK. I'm Costas Halavrazos. Now, let's go read.